Isaiah chapter 6. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Isaiah. I purpose to preach a sermon I have never preached before. Actually, from a text I've never preached from before. I'm well versed, as most of us are. We're familiar with Isaiah chapter 6. A visiting preacher's greatest fear, I suppose, is to announce a text that he purposes to preach from and uh, then to find out that the pastor preached from that text last week. Uh, I said uh, a visiting preacher's greatest fear. I suppose that would be the second greatest fear. The greatest fear would be to say something this morning that would contradict what he said last week. (laughs) And so uh, if by chance I'm preaching uh, from a passage that your pastor has preached from recently, and if I say something that con- contradicts him, he's right and I'm wrong. And so you go with Brother Farinella, uh, you might as well stick with him. You've stuck with him for some 33 years. So I appreciate uh, Brother Farinella. I had purpose to say several things this morning, but for sake of time, uh, we're going to leave those things unsaid, but not unfelt. I Love and appreciate your pastor, his dear wife, the Farinella family, and I'm thankful uh, for the Wooden Valley Baptist Church. Isaiah chapter 6, I'm going to have you stand in honor of the reading of the scripture. I'll begin reading in verse number 1 and read down through the end of the chapter. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, And his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. And with twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongues from off the altar, And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thy iniquities, or thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also, I have heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed. But perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, Until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord hath removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. But yet it shall be a tenth, and it shall return, and shall be eaten, 
as a uh, till tree and as an oak whose substance is in them when they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. Would you bow your heads? Father, we pray in faith believing you would honor us with your presence and that, Lord, you'd bless now the preaching of your word. I yield myself the best I know how. Holy Spirit of God, would you speak to me and through me and help me to be a blessing. Lord, I desire a purpose to be a blessing, especially to uh, this faithful pastor who's been here uh, these many years. And, Lord, those who have uh, participated uh, in the building up of this church. Uh, the Wooden, ba- uh, Wooden Valley Baptist Church. And I pray, Lord, that you'd bless me. I pray that you'd help me, Lord. I pray that you'd use me. I pray that you'd speak to me and through me. And I ask it in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. We ask it all. Amen. You may be seated. Now, what do we know? In this chapter, we find one of several visions received by Isaiah, the great statesman prophet that God placed over his people. And I think we'd all agree uh, what a vision uh, this vision uh, was. Visions are always forward-looking. Now, know what I said, visions, and the Bible's filled with visions. Uh, visions are forward-looking. By nature, they cause the recipient, in this case Isaiah, to look uh, to the future, beyond the present, and in to tomorrow. Now, you have your Bibles open with me here to Isaiah chapter 6. And I want you to note that the news shared at the beginning of verse 1 sets the stage for this life-altering vision. I want you to know his life would never be the same from this day forward. It seems most probable, uh, probable that this vision predates chapter 1. So what we have here is Isaiah hitting the pause button and then going back and retelling uh, how things began. He talks about, if you will, here in this chapter, how he received the prophetic mantle. And uh, so how he uh, came to enter into his profession, that of being God's mouthpiece, that of being God's voice uh, to God's people, known to us as Israel, but in particular, uh, the southern tribe of Judah. And uh, so if you'll note here, and uh, we have our Bibles open, and I don't want to spend a lot of time uh, reviewing and, and, and retelling uh, what most of us are already privy to, but it took place, if you'll note here, in the year that King Uzziah died. According to uh, the opening statement here in verse number 1, that this vision received by Isaiah, he received it in the year that King Uzziah died. It transpired when King Uzziah expired. And I want you to know something. That, that's uh, of great significance. Death always is required for there to be a transformation. And so if you're taking notes, that might be something that you'd want to write down There has to be a death. In order for a transformation to take place, there has to be a death. In reference to an individual, in reference to a marriage, in reference to a family, in reference to a community, uh, in reference to a church, in reference to a city, 
in reference to a people group, in reference to a, a nation, in reference to the world. Do we have to go back and look at John 3.16? The reason you and I have been transformed, the reason you and I have been transformed from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of life is because someone died. The Lord Jesus. Now I want you to note, in reference to this story, someone had to die. God had something for Isaiah to do And in order for this to be achieved, in order for this to be accomplished, someone had to die. And in fact, this someone was King Uzziah. Uh, It would be good if you would take the opportunity to go back and study and learn all you could learn about King Uzziah. It's a remarkable undertaking. And so, if I could, I want to provide you a little information about Uzziah. Who was King Uzziah? Well... He was the first of four kings uh, that were in place during the prophetic ministry of Isaiah. He was the first of four kings that, were, uh, that, were, uh, that occupied the throne during the, uh, the days of Isaiah. What do we know about him? Uzziah was a king of considerable prestige and worth in the eyes of the people. Uh, It's not like here in America where there's a split and 50% of our country love the president and 50% of our country hate the president. I want you to know everyone loved King Uzziah. Uh, They held him in high regard. In particular, Isaiah. I'm talking about Uzziah. I think I said Isaiah, but in in reference to King Uzziah, uh, he was held in high regard throughout Judah. And in particular, Isaiah, it's probable that there was a, a blood relation, uh, a blood relationship between Isaiah and King Uzziah. I won't go into a lot of detail, but according to history, uh, they were blood kin. And so this, no doubt, uh, created even more affection between the prophet Isaiah and King Uzziah. What do we know about him according to history? Uh, he had a special skill set. Uh, it would, uh, it's a very interesting study. Uh, and the Bible reco- records much of what I'm sharing with you right now. But outside the Bible, in, re- in regards to Josephus and others uh, that we have opportunity to read and, 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 and come to understand more about the nation of Judah at this time, and King Uzziah, he had a special skill set. And Uzziah, they had what was lacking in other kings. He was everything they were not. He was the full estimation of a nation's desire for a king. He was everything you would want in a king. To them, King Uzziah was perfect. And thought irreplaceable. In fact, history reveals that the nation as a whole, and especially those in leadership, believe that he was the second coming of King David, as had been prophesied. And so they thought that perhaps Uzziah was the Messiah. And if you study, you'll discover there's a, a parallel or there's a, they had, they, there are similar things said about them. They had much in common. There are seven, and I'll say this, uncommon parallels between King Uzziah 
and King David that you will not find in reference to the other kings that followed King David. The only one in history, the only other king that you'll find, you'll be able to check, uh, 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 check off in reference to the similarities would be the real Messiah, the Lord Jesus. And so in reference to Uzziah, when we read here in verse number 1 that this vision that was received by Isaiah, that it took place in the year that King Uzziah died, it's significant. He had to die, if you will, in order for God to have Isaiah's attention. I would say to you this morning that God desires to have your attention. He desires to have your affection. It's proof positive. We wouldn't argue that we have His affection. His affection put the Lord Jesus on the cross. But the question is, does He have our affection? And in order for Him to have our affection, He has to have our attention. In order for Him to have our attention, there must be a death. Someone has to die. Something has to die. And in reference to Isaiah, King Uzziah had to die. Now, uh, you can't blame his death on Isaiah. Uh, I'm not saying that. But the timing is not by chance. It's significant and it's stressed here in the text. He was perfect. He was thought irreplaceable. They thought he might be the second coming of King David, as had been promised. But this was not to be. If you know the story, if you're a student of the Old Testament as I am, you know that Uzziah uh, became proud. And he took upon himself a ministry that was reserved for, uh, for the priests. And he went into the temple and he took a censer and he was going to do the duties of a priest. And the Bible tells us, according to Amos chapter 1, that there was an earthquake at that time, and the ground shook, and no doubt his eyes got about as big as saucers, and uh, Azariah, the priest, went in along with 80 other priests, and they're all looking at one another, and they said in the Hebrew, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. And he was escorted out, and not not back to the palace but to a makeshift hut or a hospital, not a nice hospital like you have here in Seattle or we have back in Houston. And there he died. There he died because of pride and rebellion. He became a leper and died. Of course, Isaiah and Judah were devastated and hope vanished. Now, if you want to know how they felt, they felt like the disciples did when the Lord Jesus died. They felt... We know how they felt. They were dismayed. They were, they were more than rattled. They were upset. Luke chapter 24. I love that chapter. And, and they were so discouraged. And rightfully so. Because they had placed their faith and confidence in the Lord Jesus. They thought He was the Messiah and He died. Of course, the difference between Uzziah and the Lord Jesus is the Lord Jesus didn't stay dead. Up from the grave he arose. And I want you to know, when he went in and took upon himself the office of a priest, what he did was receive. And the Bible says that he ever liveth to make intercession for us. I'm so thankful that my king is not King Uzziah. I'm so thankful that my king is the Lord Jesus. And that he, 
he, the work that he's carried out as a high priest, as my high priest is acceptable in the eyes of the Father. I'm so thankful to have him as my high priest. Now here's the question I want to pose as we get into our study this morning. Where or, or who would Isaiah and Judah look to? They were looking to Uzziah and, and when he uh, became a leper and when he died they were devastated and it's now, well who do we look to? Of course we know uh, they would look to uh, the next king, uh, Jotham, and he would be the human replacement for Uzziah, and then after him, Ahaz, and then eventually Hezekiah, and so on. But, you know, where do we go now? Who do we turn to now? What do we do now? This is where the story gets interesting. And I'd like to call that to your attention as we look at this chapter together, Isaiah chapter 6. You say, Pastor, how? A Pastor Art. <laughs> I'm accustomed to preaching from my pulpit. In fact, if I was back home, I would be taking my afternoon nap right now. <laughs> and so services are over and, and uh, preparations are being made for the evening service. But, um, and, and so um, I, I said this is where the story gets interesting. Because before they move on to a new king, God provides Isaiah with a parenthesis of sorts. Now, know what I said. He provides Isaiah and all uh, Judah with a parenthesis of sorts. What do you mean by a parenthesis of sorts? Well, it, 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 this parenthesis, if you will, that we read about uh, in this chapter, or the events that we read about in this chapter take place within a, not a vacuum, but within what I'm going to call a parenthesis. And so all these events that have, uh, have been unfolding, and they'll continue to unfold, but God says, hey, can I have your attention for just a moment? And so he gains the attention of Isaiah. Perhaps he had attempted, in a sense, to gain his attention before, but Isaiah was enamored with Uzziah. There's some of you, you're here this morning, and it's because God finally gained your attention before something, someone else or something else had your attention. And so here, if you will, God says, can I have your attention? A parenthesis of sorts. Sometimes what is needed is a parenthesis. It allows us to put things in perspective. Now, knowing what we know about uh, what Judah was, uh, uh, what was going on in Judah, uh, we know uh, that uh, they needed to gain a different perspective so that they would change the route. Instead of being on this path, they would choose a different path. And so we, we know that, we understand that as students of, uh, as students of the Bible, as students of uh, of the Word of God, but in, in particular as students of uh, the Old Testament. And, and, and so sometimes what is needed, what was needed then and what is needed now is a, is a parenthesis. It's a, it allows us to put things in perspective. A holy pause, or in this case, a holy, holy, holy pause. Now, I, I don't want to... Get off my subject, but let me just tell you, 
what church is all about. It's about taking time out from the world. It's about, this is a parenthesis of sorts. Your life has been busy. And it will, once you leave, it will pick up and continue to be busy. But what God is saying here at Wooden Valley Baptist Church every Sunday morning and every Sunday night and every Wednesday night and back at Cornerstone, He's saying, can I have your attention please? This is a holy pause. A holy, holy, holy pause. Why? Well, when things seem impossible or events seem impassable, we need to see the Lord high and lifted up. I, I don't say that just to say it this morning. Uh, it does warrant an amen, and thank you for amen. And that, that I want you to know everything I've said thus far, it's true, but what I just said warranted an amen. What we need to see in our lives, Brother Farinella, we need to see it on Monday, and we need to see it on Tuesday and throughout the week, but especially on the Lord's Day, we need to see Him high and lifted up. Oh, the difference it would make in your home, Dad, if your son, your daughter, when they came into your presence, they came into the presence of someone, they would be coming into the presence of someone who sees the Lord high and lifted up. Oh, that's the purpose of every song that's been sung today. That's the purpose of every prayer, every announcement. That's the purpose of everything that transpires here at Wooden Valley Baptist Church. This church exists to help this community to see thy Lord high and lifted up. Now hit the pause button. In the text, Isaiah does not stand in need of conversion. You say, wait a minute, the word conversion is used here. It's used several times in the, in the Scripture where it does not mean what we sometimes testify that it means. What I'm saying uh, is Isaiah did not need to be saved. He was already in the faith. Could we agree? But what he needed, if you will, was cleansing. He needed cleansing. You know, as God's children sometimes... I say sometimes, in the world in which we live, this side of heaven, we stand continually in need of cleansing. We stand continually in the need of cleansing. So he's not, he does not stand in need of conversion in the, in the sense that we normally think of conversion, to be saved, but of cleansing, to be sanctified. Remember Peter? Peter acted in such a way that the Lord rebuked him And then he said to Peter, he said, When thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. Now there are some, they try to fix the Bible or change the Bible to fit into their theology and they do not believe in eternal security and so they have to fix the Bible or or arrange it so that it lines up with their theology. So what that means is they think when when Jesus said to Peter, uh, when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. That, that when you're saved, strengthen the brethren. But if that be so, that means that the church was founded on the profession, on the confession of a lost man. Because it's what, G, what Peter said when the Lord said, Hey, you're right, Peter, and up, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Let me just tell you, this church, my church back home, 
Every true Bible preaching church is not built on the profession of a lost man, but on the profession of a saved man. And I want you to understand, just as Peter was already saved, when Jesus said to him, when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. He says, Peter, you're here when you need to be here. And the work that I've called you to is going to require for you to be here. But for you to be up here, you're going to have to see me up there. And I want you to know, so many of us today, we're here. And the only thing, oh, we're saved. Brother, Pastor Chip, we're going to heaven. We put our faith in Christ. I know I'm saved. I've been converted in that sense. But there's a need for cleansing so I can continue to progress as a Christian and reach a place where God can use me to build up His kingdom, to build up His work. Did you know cleansing is the heartbeat of this vision? You're here this morning as members of this church. I'm thinking we probably have some visitors, but I'm going to say most of us, if not all of us, we've... uh, we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, if that's not true of you, I want to encourage you to do that this morning. Do that today. Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He's the only way to heaven. But most of us have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so we don't stand in need of conversion, but of cleansing. Not of salvation, but of sanctification. And cleansing is the heartbeat of this vision. And did you know it's the heartbeat of the book of Isaiah? Turn back quickly to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1, and look with me if you will. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse number 18. We read these words. It says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet. They shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Question who? This is an invitation. Who was this invitation extended to? Was it the world? No. Not the world without. But Judah. God's own people. The children of God. I want you to know that based on the clear teachings of God's Word, what God desires here at Wooden Valley Baptist Church as it relates to this membership and what He desires of the Cornerstone Baptist Church back in Missouri City, Texas, there a suburb of Houston, is the same thing. A cleansed membership. You say, well, Pastor, we're already saved. Well, I'm not here to, have you, to play Bible tw- twister with you. But go home and read John chapter 13. When Jesus washed the disciples' feet, and Peter, Peter, Peter said, you're not going to wash my feet. And then when he provided him with a little understanding, he said, Lord, wash me all over. And the Lord said, Peter, you don't need to be washed all over. You're saved. But Peter, your walk needs to be adjusted. You're not where you need to be. You're not where you need to be. There's a work to be done here in the state of Washington. And I'm glad you're saved. I'm glad there's a saved membership here. But in reference to each and every member 
there's the question of cleansing. Am I where I need to be? Am I truly where I need to be? God desires that His people be a cleansed people. Now, you might want to write that down or make a mental note. God desires that His people be a cleansed people. God is holy. Could we agree on that? God is holy. His people are to, be a, are to be reflective of His holiness. Meditate to the point that they become reflections, mirrors of this holiness. Let me go back and say that again. His people, the membership here at Wooden Valley Baptist Church, the pastor, yes, but every member, the oldest member to the youngest member, are to be reflective of His holiness. Meditate on it day, uh, morning, day and night to the point that you become reflections, mirrors of His holiness. If you don't believe me, ask the next seraphim you see. You say, Pastor, the next seraphim? You mean those angels with six wings? With two they covered their face, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they did fly? I've never seen one. Well, you're probably not in the natural I want you to know if you're going to see a seraphim and it'll be in Scripture. I was thinking as I was studying, as I was preparing. And again, I've never preached this message. I've never preached from this passage, this text before. But uh, um, as I was studying, this event uh, became as real to me as any event that I've studied in recent memory. I, I, I won't tell you that I've had a vision, but just next to having a vision. Uh, I, I'm telling you, have you ever studied a passage? Have you ever been in, in, in meditation in reference to a scripture and, and had to take your shoes off and dust out the, the sand? Well, not literally, but I, 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 it's almost as if I was there for this unique ordination. I want you to know, uh, Brother Chip, if seraphims show up tomorrow, I'm out of here. <laughs> You're... Your uh, ordination will be unique. Every ordination is unique. I'm sure yours was, Brother Farinella. Mine was. But Isaiah's was really unique. He had a seraphim. Seraphim showed up for for his ordination. I know you don't know me other than my name. By the way, where's that imposter at? It goes by my name, Lamar. He's homesick. I know he is. I'm just having a little fun. Heidi, Holly, Hillary, Hunter. But when Hunter got to junior high school, junior became, uh, I guess, seventh or eighth grade, down at the Y, because of his name, they started calling him Lamar. So... He goes by Lamar. I want you to know his mom and his, uh, his mom and his dad and his siblings in our church back home, we call him Hunter. And uh, I, I told my wife, I said, you know, uh, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. I'm going to start calling Dax Lamar. <laughs> Every time I've heard the name Lamar, I go like this. And you're not talking about me, you're talking about Brother Lamar. But uh, I love and appreciate my son, and again, thank you for allowing him to be a part of this church, and uh, we're just 
we're thrilled that he's a part of the staff. And, and it's our prayer on a daily basis that um, uh, he'll be a blessing to this pastor and this church. Uh, we're praying to that end. And I am disappointed that he was not a part of the service and we couldn't uh, uh, get to see him up here leading the music and doing all that. You know, you have the Bible, what did John say? I have no greater joy than to know that my children are walking in truth. Amen. He is the music director here. Right? He's not in church this morning, so you know who I'm talking about. Okay, all right, okay, we'll forget that. <laughs> but uh, if I could, I know you don't know me, and, and so I'm getting in your space. That's what preaching does. It gets in your space. And I want to apologize for that. I wouldn't be in the ministry. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if my wife's dad hadn't gotten in my space when he was my pastor. So if you'd allow this visiting pastor maybe to get in your space this morning, I just want to ask you a question. When was the last time you saw yourself in need of cleansing? We're not talking about salvation. Uh, uh, you're saved. You know the Lord. Uh, you, could, you could give testimony and share with me when you were saved. You remember being baptized. Perhaps it was here as a part of this ministry. But when was the last time you saw yourself in need of cleansing? You say, Pastor, it's been a while. Then it's been a while since you've seen the Lord high and lifted up. It's been a while since you've seen the Lord high and lifted up. Now, don't wait for a vision like we find here in the text. It's probably not going to happen. This is God's vision to you. Uh, That well-known passage, it says, without a vision, the people perish. It literally means without a word from God. A pastor in Sunday school quoted from Deuteronomy chapter 8 and shared with us some verses in there. And what is it, verse 6 or verse 7? It says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. That word, word there is rima. And it carries with it the idea, um, a word uh, that restores and replenishes. If you'll note here in the text, it wasn't just the coal, uh, 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 a piece of coal from the fire. It was a live coal. And this is a living book. And the words are living words. And that's what you need. It's not in man to direct his own step. You need direction. You need guidance. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You need a thus saith the Lord. When was the last time you were cleansed? You saw yourself in need of cleansing. Now I stand before you. I'm a preacher. I'm a sinner saved by grace just like you. But if the Lord was standing here and the seraphims were present, And we could really see the Lord for who He is in all of His splendor. I think we'd all see and sense a need for cleansing. For cleansing. That's the need of this hour. That's the need. That's the assignment that your pastor has received from the Lord. 
Yes, he's to be a, a witness and share his faith and be a soul winner. But he's responsible for helping us maintain an understanding that this side of heaven we're not perfect and we need cleansing. John said, he said, I write unto you that you sin not. But then he also said, but if any man sin, he has an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And I want you to know, we should sin less, but we'll never be sinless this side of heaven. And the purpose of church is to be reminded so that we can, if you will, see the Lord. Not literally, but in faith. See our need for cleansing. Our need, if you will, for cleansing. Um, What do we know? While leaders like Uzziah can move us, it's only in seeing the Lord that we'll ever desire to be cleansed. It's only when the preacher gets lost in the sermon and we forget that it's the preacher up there speaking and we begin to let the Word of God penetrate our cold hearts and we begin to see ourselves for what we lack and see Him as being our sufficiency and then we cry out to Him. We say, woe is me, I'm undone. This was a saved man who said that. He wasn't in need of salvation. But he was in need of a new perspective. And as I said, he was never the same from this point on. Cleansing is God's desire for his children. Some facts. Judah was not cleansed at this time. His people, yes. Cleansed, no. We're talking about the whole of Israel. We're talking about Judah. Judah. They were his children, but they were not cleansed. They were not where they needed to be. And it's quite evident from the Word of God that this is so. According to history, Israel would not be cleansed for some time after this. In fact, um, it would come after the death of Isaiah. He passed that baton on to someone else and it's been passed on and so forth. In fact, we must look to the future. We must look to the future to actually see when Israel, when Judah, when God's chosen people Israel will be cleansed according to God's desire. And the promise rings true today. His word will not return unto him void. There's so much here, and I know time is running out. While God waits for our cleansing, he is found to be meticulous in bringing it about. He's meticulous. Did you know God's a meticulous God? He's given to detail. Creation proves that. But he's given to detail, and um, he's working things out for, our, for his glory, for our good, and for the gospel's sake. We, not, we uh, do not need to turn to Romans um, chapter 8, but he's working things out in your life individually, your marriage, your family, this community, this, this church. He's working things out for his glory, for your good, and for the gospel's sake. Your pastor... 
your pastor years ago had an Isaiah chapter 6 moment. <clears throat> you say, I didn't know that. The pictures along the wall reflect and stand as a testimony. He had an Isaiah chapter 6 moment, a parenthesis of sorts. I'm sharing this about your past. There came a, uh, came a time when he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And then when he did, it led to feelings of unworthiness on his part. You say, how do you know? Every God-called preacher has felt that as well. This is true of every God-called preacher. He had that, woe is me, I'm undone moment. And, 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 and it began, he began to see himself as not being adequate to do the work and to really please the Lord. It was during this time of cleansing that it happened. You see, God speaks when we are broken. Now listen to me as we wrap up the sermon, as we wrap up the message. God speaks when we are broken. Caught up in worship, brought on by self-loathing. Worship. Brought on by self-loathing. Every God-called pastor has felt this. Every Sunday school teacher should feel it. Every member of this church should get to a place where we can't really worship until we see ourselves as being inadequate and we see ourselves as not being worthy. And then, and then and only then can we cry out, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy. Worthy. It was at this time that he heard... Who will go to the great Northwest? Now, he's shared that testimony with us, or, of course, you know his testimony. I, I mean, it's not by happenstance that he was in another state and ended up in Washington. Not by happenstance. Sensitive to the leadership of the Lord and following the clear dictates of the Holy Spirit, he moved his family here. God heard his voice, the voice of your pastor saying, Here my Lord, send me. And God did send him. And today we witness the outcome of his single obedience, along with his wife and his family. This church, we're not here to glorify the pastor. I mean, I'm almost through my message and I'm just getting around to talking about Brother Rich and, and certainly no, it's not his heart to be lifted up for 33 years. He's not lifted Rich Farinella up, he's lifted the Lord up. But God heard his voice, the voice of your pastor saying, Here, my Lord, send me, and God did send him, and today we witness the outcome. While the prophecy here is about Isaiah and and. In Israel, Judah specifically, application can be made. So if you'll just note as we conclude the message. Note the similarities between what took place then and what's taken place here the past 33 years. The similarities. Can I say this? Having come here. Now, we didn't spend a lot of time developing the, uh, the, the text or developing the chapter 
But I hope you paid close attention, and maybe you can go back and read it, but having received this call, uh, Isaiah purposed to do exactly what God told him to do, and, and, and God makes him privy to the fact that not everyone's going to hear, thus saith the Lord. Not everyone's going to applaud and be in agreement with you. There's going to be some resistance, but you preach on. And if you'll note here, if I could just, by way of conclusion, having come here, there have been mixed results. But that's true of every pastor. That's true of every church plant. There's mixed results. It would be great if in 33 years of pastoring this church, he couldn't point to one disappointment or one failure or one refusal. As he has been faithful to preach the word, some have resisted and to their own peril have suffered the consequences, but some have responded favorably and have stood with him and you are to be commended. For others, the verdict has not been reached. Maybe you're here and you're still contemplating. You're still thinking about it. Let me say before we give the invitation that I feel every church anniversary is a recommissioning service. This is a recommissioning service. God's providing Wooden Valley Baptist Church a here am I Lord moment. I already know what Brother Farinell is going to say. He said some 33 years ago, Hear my Lord, send me. And he's been saying that same thing. Rich Farinella reporting for duty, Lord. Every day, every week, for 33 years. A recommissioning service. As I see it, not just for Brother Farinella, but for the church as a whole. A here am I, Lord, moment. A woe is me moment. A woe is me. And I see the Lord moment. A someone or something has to die moment. For this church to move forward. Someone has to die. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? What did Paul say? I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You need to be that member who dies to self. We don't know when the Lord's coming. We don't know if he's going to come this year or next. It's 33 years. We're celebrating here at the Wooden Valley Baptist Church. 33 years of God's favor and God's blessings upon this church. And you don't have the advantage that I have as I look out. And I, what a blessing. What a blessing. I'm an outsider saying, what a blessing. How encourages my heart in reference to my own ministry. What a blessing. This is what can be had if a pastor will just say, here am I. And then develop a following that will say, here am I. 
As we begin the invitation this morning, would you bow your heads? We never preach a message, get people to come forward, but get people to go forward in a Christian life. But I want you to know a principle, unless we're overcome by Him, we will be overcome by the world, and it will be the status quo, as always. As we give the invitation this morning, I would have you stand to your feet, heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm not trying to milk the invitation or get you to come forward. Again, our purpose is to get you to go forward. But I wonder who would say there in their seat or here at the altar, along with Pastor Farinella, Hear my Lord. Woe is me, Lord. Who would sense His presence today and say, Lord, I'm willing to make it less about me and more about you from this day forward. As the pianist begins to play and as we enter in this time of invitation, the altar's open. You're certainly encouraged to do what God would have you to do here at the altar or there in your pew. But whether it's at this time or later, just let Brother Brother Farinella know that you stand with him, that you... The Lord tarries His coming. You'll continue to stand with Him in the days ahead. Heads bowed and eyes closed. We've had some who have come. The altar's open. If you feel led, you come. If not, they're in your pew. Refresh me, Lord, in my spirit. Birth within me a passion, a desire. Cultivate within me a willingness. To do your bidding, to be your light in a world of darkness, to be the salt of the earth, all those things that come to mind. Church time is cleansing time. Oh, it's a time of celebrating his faithfulness, but who are we? If we're anything, we're sinners saved by grace. Search me. 